With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwatt. And today, we got a fun show for you guys. Obviously, on Wednesday, we heard the 2023 class of the Hockey Hall of Fame. We'll talk about all the players and coaches and builders that were all elected in the 2023 class, including former Pittsburgh Penguin Tom Barrasso finally getting the call to the hall. We'll discuss that. And then in the second segment, we got to talk about Kyle Dubas's first ever signing as president of Hockey Ops slash interim general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. That is Valtteri Pustin. We'll discuss him, where he stands heading into training camp in a couple of months and heading into the season for 2023-24. And then we'll finish it off with a somewhat weekly pens poll that we do whenever we want at this point because it's the offseason but Horwat, let's start off with the hall of fame tom barrasso finally gets the call to the hall one of three goaltenders to be elected as members of the class of 2023 including mike vernon and the king henrik lundqvist also elected to the 2023 class pierre turgeon carolyn willette pierre lacroix and ken hitchcock so when you saw the class of 2023 obviously barrasso will get to in a minute what did you think of the class in its entirety? Uh, obviously, I think everyone's first inclination was, oh, this is a pretty goalie-heavy uh, Hall of Fame class, which, yeah, it is. I mean, that's just kind of the way the cook crumbled, I guess. Uh, and they're all well-deserving of it. Um, clear, obviously, every year the, the discussion is had of, well, this player got overlooked, this person got overlooked, this, that. And that happens in <clears throat> every Hall of Fame, every year, no matter what. So... We'll get to those discussions. Sure, there's a couple of important ones, but uh, for now, you have to look at the players that are going in, and each of them are deserving. I don't think there's a single argument that, you know, there are some classes where you look at <clears throat> a few certain players and go, why this person specifically? You're not doing that with this one, really. This one is a, uh, you know, maybe it's not a home run, obvious options, but it's, uh, it's a great class, and for some of them, like Tom Barrasso and Mike Vernon, you could throw in there. Uh, this is a long overdue, I would say. This is very long overdue, especially for Barrasso, who, you know, at the time of his retirement, was one of the best American-born goalies of all time, uh, could st- and could still be considered that. <clears throat> and that's, you know, putting aside longevity in the league and postseason success. I mean, the dude's a back-to-back Cup winner. Yeah, he's been eligible since 2006, so it took almost 20 years for Tom yeah. Barrasso to get the call, uh, but he he finally did. Um, so he becomes the 21st player or builder with ties to the Pittsburgh Penguins to enter the Hockey Hall of Fame. Penguins, of course, a historic franchise for the NHL over 50 years now, and now 21 players and or builders that are represented in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Barrasso is with the Pittsburgh Penguins from 1989 to 2000. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion with the team, holds the franchise record for wins in a single season with 43. He did that in the 1992-93 season, of course, the only season in Pittsburgh Penguins history where the team won the President's Trophy. Fleury came close to that in 2011-2012. He had 42 wins, but still the one franchise record that Barrasso holds over Marc-Andre Fleury is still that uh, franchise wins in one season. But also Tom Barrasso holds an NHL all-time record, the all-time leader in scoring 
by a goaltender. He has 48 points. All of them, however, assists. He he did not light the lamp himself and score a goal. But Tom Barrasso, of course, as you mentioned, one of the best American-born goaltenders in the history of the NHL, in the history of hockey, and he finally gets the call to the hall. Um, obviously, when you talk about Tom Barrasso, a lot of people understand that he was a, a bit prickly when it comes to talking to the media, when it comes to just talking to people in general. Um, but at the same time, you cannot dispute the talent that he had and how good he was with the Pittsburgh Penguins specifically uh, in the 1990s. No, it's it's impossible to dispute that kind of thing. I mean, even before you can even talk about Tom Brasso before he got to the before he got to the Penguins because um, his little run with the Buffalo Sabers, uh, I mean, it could be just as iconic. He was 18 years old, literally under a year removed from graduating high school. And he's winning the Vesna Trophy. He's winning the Calder Trophy. Uh, incredible stuff. I mean, yeah, it was the 80s, so the goaltending stats don't look outstanding. <laughs> but you have to figure, again, he's an 18-year-old kid that's just flying into the league, putting up 26 wins in his first ever you know, cut at the NHL. Uh, I mean, like I said, it was the 80s, so the stats aren't phenomenal. Like I said, 26 wins, a .893 save percentage. <laughs> I mean the '80s, but then yeah, he turned it on in the '90s with the Penguins, and um, I mean his longevity. Yeah, he was injured for a lot of these years. I mean, there's a couple of seasons in here with two games played, five, seven, uh, but that doesn't discount the fact that he was uh, an outstanding goalie who made it through the dead puck era, <laughs> pretty much, and uh, was one of the best there was, no matter what. Yeah, when you talk about Tom Barrasso and, of course, being able to come into the NHL and play at a high level from a young age, he was drafted out of high school by the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, but even more so, whenever you see him come to the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1989, that was really the kickstarter for the Pittsburgh Penguins being a great team in the 1990s. He was one of the first pieces to really turn that team around because, yes— Mario Lemieux was drafted in 1984, but the Penguins weren't really good. Like, let's not forget that in 1990, when they drafted Yarmir Yager, they picked fifth overall, mm -hmm. right? They picked him fifth overall, which means they were a bottom feeder, even with Mario Lemieux. But you get Yager, you get Tom Barrasso. That changes the Pittsburgh Penguins trajectory. 1991, they win the Stanley Cup. 1992, they win the Stanley Cup. 1993... Probably the best team of the three, arguably, uh, for some of those that cover the team and have watched that team, you see it all the time. People say the 1992-93 Penguins team was better than the two teams that won the Stanley Cup, but they unfortunately fell to the New York Islanders in the second round of the playoffs that year. But no, uh, Parasso was, for all intents and purposes, a great goaltender, and now he can call himself a Hall of Fame goaltender. Yes, he can. <clears throat> and I... I don't know if anyone's going to be able to find it. I had sent you the video, and it was later deleted, um, of <laughs> yeah. Tom Brasso getting the call from Lanny McDonald, except uh, he had to get the call after the announcement was made because no one could get a hold of Tommy. It was, yeah. uh, the, I guess the hall had the wrong number, so they kept calling yeah, I... and calling and calling, and no answer mm -hmm. to the point where Tom Brasso's agent uh, called him up and said, hey, uh, You've been inducted into the Hall of Fame, and Tom Brasso still didn't believe it until he heard it, quote-unquote, from the authorities. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, Lanny McDonald, got, Lanny McDonald got a hold of him. If that video's out there somewhere, it's a, it was a pretty fun watch. Uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, it was, it's been deleted off of Twitter since I looked for it again. Um, but, I mean, you know what? He waited how many years for it? What's a couple of missed phone calls? Yeah, I let it off saying he got the call to the hall. I guess I should have said he got the voicemail to the hall because uh, Tom Barrasso missed the first couple of phone calls whenever he was inducted by Lanny McDonald. That's See, I don't know why it was deleted because I think that's hilarious. Um, maybe Barrasso was like, can you delete that? Because, you know. <laughs> Who knows? It, it, I don't know. Who knows? But uh, regardless, he's in, and that's what matters the most is he is in. He's aware of it now, mm -hmm. just so we know. He is aware that he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and, and he becomes, like we mentioned earlier, the 21st Pittsburgh Penguin uh, in any capacity to make it to the, the Hockey Hall of Fame, which brings up an important question. It's not really an important question, but it brings up a question that I want to ask you, Horwat. Is Tom Barrasso or Marc-Andre Fleury the greatest goaltender in Penguins history in your eyes? It still has to go to Fleury, I think. it's Tom Barrasso was great, and 
the perfect goalie for the time and probably the perfect goalie for that team. You know, his puck handling ability was incredible, so it's good that he had guys like Lemieux, Yager, and then you look at the defensemen that were on those teams, starting with you know Paul Coffey, who was there until the fir- until after the first cup, then uh, Larry Murphy, like some great offensive defensemen as well. Uh, Tom Brasso had hit just his pick of the litter to just rifle the puck around the rink to, um, hence leading to his NHL all-time leading points by a goalie, which is a stat that's an incredible stat because the way the game is played today how many goalies are going to reach i mean the record's 48 how many goalies are going to reach 30 i mean i don't know the numbers i'd have to look at what flurry's at i mean he's probably the longest tenured goalie in the league now perhaps if i'm missing someone mike smith didn't play this past season yeah that's a tough one because i'm not sure I'm not sure who else would be close to him in that aspect. Maybe, and no, I think he came in before Anton Hudobin. Craig so Anderson's retiring. It's hard to pick, but looking at yeah. those numbers would be interesting. And but, but it's uh, I would still have to give it to Marc Andre Fleury for this question of who's the best in Penguins history. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, again, he had a great team in front of him, but probably playing in a. And here's where the discussion always comes up: of oh, it's a different era. Marc-Andre Fleury did play in a different era and a much more difficult era for goalies where the league said, okay, we need to put uh, a little bit more uh, emphasis on goal scoring. And Marc-Andre Fleury still found a way to exceed almost all of Barrasso's Penguins records. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think the thing for me is I would still go with Fleury as well, but I think the discrepancy isn't as much as people tend to say it is. I mean, you look at their numbers. Barrasso played 12 seasons in Pittsburgh. Fleury played 13. Barrasso had 369 wins. Fleury had 375. The biggest discrepancy is in the statistics, but again, a lot of that is made up for by the fact that Tom Barrasso played in an era, uh, at least when he was with the Pittsburgh Penguins, that scoring goals was five, six a game, regardless of who was in the net. Like, it didn't matter. He had an 8.95 save percentage in his 12 seasons with Pittsburgh. Fleury in 13 seasons had a 9.12. So, yeah, it's a large discrepancy there. 258 goals allowed average for Fleury, 327 for Barrasso. But when you look at in their era where they were at, Tom Barrasso made the All-Star once as a member of the Penguins, was a two-time Vezina finalist. Fleury didn't do either of those things with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, again, that opens up a larger discussion of who else is in the league at the point, right? Marc-Andre Fleury was going up against prime Carey Price in those years. Both of these goaltenders at one point or other were going up against Martin Brodeur at one point. So Henrik Lundqvist, we're talking about the, the Hall of Fame class of 2023. Fleury and Lundqvist were head-to-head for the majority of Fleury's P- Penguins career. So yes, it's going to be difficult for him to get all-stars over a guy like Henrik Lundqvist. Yes, it's going to be difficult for him to get a Vezina finalist spot over a guy like Henrik Lundqvist. But when you look at these two goaltenders, there's not as much of a difference as people make it out to be. Now, yes... Is Marc-Andre Fleury better? To me, yes. Do I think that he's going to get a call to the Hall of Fame before 18 years after he's eligible? Yeah, most likely. Is there that big of a gap between the two of them when it comes to their Pittsburgh Penguins careers alone? Not really. There really isn't. Now, do people like Marc-Andre Fleury more than Tom Barrasso? Yeah, (laughs) 100%. When it comes to off-ice personalities... Marc-Andre Fleury is miles ahead of where Tom Barrasso was at that point in his in his life. So while, yes, I do agree with you that it's Marc-Andre Fleury, I do think that Tom Barrasso deserves a little bit more respect. Yeah, and you're totally right about that. Plus, you have to look at Tom Barrasso's putting up these numbers also as one of the best goalies in the league. There weren't many other... Um, I think the crop of good goaltending increased in the era between Barrasso to Fleury. You know, the competition got yeah. a lot harder. The the elite goalies grew uh, in, in numbers. It was... Because I'm just, like, kind of flipping through to see... Because in his career, uh, Barrasso was a... He won the Vezina in his rookie season and then was a finalist four other times. I'm trying to look at some of the names that beat him. I mean, Ed Belfour beat him one year. Who, yeah, great yeah. goalie. Looking at the numbers, you probably could have given it to Barrasso, but I don't know how the 90s worked. <laughs> we don't know how the 90s <laughs> politicking worked for these trophies. Um, some of the other one, he lost to Dominic Hasek, who also won the MVP that year. Hard to beat that, but like, yeah, his one in his second season where he was 
uh, where Brasso finished second for the Vesna. He lost to uh, Pele Lindbergh, who uh, hmm. tragically died not too much long after this, after his award. Um, he was a Phil, uh, Philadelphia Flyers goalie. I remember hearing about this story not too long ago, actually. Um, but still, like some of the other names on this list are a bunch of no names. Brasso didn't play with that play up against that many obviously outstanding goalies. I mean, yeah, you're gonna have the yeah. the uh, oh the Dominic Hasek's, the Martin Brodeur's, the Grant Fears, but over time, I mean, the dead puck era was dominated by goaltending, but by who? It was just hard to score by the rules. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Tom Barrasso and the Penguins not beat both Ed Belfour and Dominic Hasek in the 1992 Stanley Cup Finals? <laughs> yes, they did, did. Did both of those goaltenders not play on the Chicago Blackhawks? So, I mean, that's another feather in his cap. And when you look at the overall, I mean, if you like bringing Stanley Cups into these conversations, Tom Barrasso is a two-time Stanley Cup champion as a starting goaltender, whereas I'll give Marc-Andre Fleury credit for one and a half. Okay. Okay. So so you could you could practically say... That when it comes to Stanley Cups in Penguins history, Tom Barrasso has two, Marc-Andre Fleury has one and a half, and Matt Murray has one and a half. So Barrasso is still on the leaderboard there, if you, if you want to argue that aspect. But the last thing I'll say about it is, uh, and the interesting thing that I'll say about it is, growing up somebody who didn't get to watch Tom Barrasso in those early 90s years, the one big play made by a goaltender that was always shown to me was not Tom Barrasso. That's true. It was too. Frankie Peter Angelo. <laughs> so it, it's interesting because, you know, you think of Flurry, you think of all these highlight saves, you think of the save at the end of Game 7 in 2009 on Nick Lidstrom. When you think of the biggest save from the 1991 or 1992 Stanley Cup final, or playoffs, or runs, it's Frank Peter Angelo <laughs> against the New Jersey Devils and the save. So, I again, I don't want to I don't want to bash the guy on his day or I guess the day after his day. Uh, but I do find it comical that the greatest save of a Pittsburgh Penguin in that era uh, does not belong to the greatest goaltender of that era in Tom Barrasso. So be it. It happens. You know, so, I mean, some of the best moments are made from unexpected people. I mean. You know what I mean? It's, Look at Mr. Game 1, Jeff Zadkoff in 2016. Yeah, it's... I mean, in, like, Chris Kunitz was a great player, but can we all honestly believe it was him that scored double overtime in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Final 2017? Yeah. It's like, I would I would not have I would not have picked him heading into that second overtime. Especially considering he was put it that way. riding the fourth line that series mm-hmm. and didn't score, I think, in the entire playoffs until that game? No, he hadn't scored a goal. I did a story on this last summer. I believe he had only scored two goals in the previous like fifty games played. Yeah. So who would have who would have thought? But mm-hmm. so sometimes the best moments come from the strangest names, and you know it, that's perfectly fine. It, sometimes it's the longevity, and that's exactly what uh, Tom Brasso was able to ride through uh, through his career with Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and a multitude of other teams down the line. Yeah, once he left Pittsburgh, it was a little bit of a suitcase at the end of his career. But uh, regardless, he's a Hall of Famer, and a congratulations goes out to Tom Barrasso, the 21st member of the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, whether it be player or builder or any other coach, whatever else that you can get into the Hall of Fame for, 21st member of the Pittsburgh Penguins to be elected into the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's a tremendous honor, uh, and we congratulate him for that. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, Kyle Dubas finally made a roster move. We'll talk about it after the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. 
I'm Nick Berlansky. That's Nick Horwat. Congratulations one last time to Tom Barrasso being elected to the 2023 class of the Hockey Hall of Fame. But uh, when we come to something a little bit more recent news, something that will affect the team heading into next season, the Pittsburgh Penguins and Kyle Dubas re-sign Valtteri Pustinen to a one-year contract, two-way deal, worth $775,000 at the NHL level. Pustinen was the Penguins' seventh-round pick in the 2019 draft and has played in one NHL game as of right now on his resume. Looking to potentially play more next season, but what did you think of the Pustin signing, and was this the name that you would have said? Kyle Dubas' first Penguins move is going to be Valtteri Pustinen. Does that surprise you at all? Uh, it's a, Okay, so it's a little surprising, but I'm also not surprised that this is his first move, just because it's going to be the move that always gets overlooked in the looking back at the Kyle Dubas tenure, because that big first <laughs> move is still coming, right? It's Something's got to be floating around the corner. Um, I'm not surprised that he re-signed, though. I'll leave it at that. It's uh, pretty. It was a pretty easy move. All these RFAs that we have coming up, they're all probably going to cost under a million dollars. They're all going to be easy negotiations, and we should be able to get some quality use out of most of them. I know everyone knows that the Penguins don't have a phenomenal group of prospects, but the group that we have, we like a lot, and we the the top tiered ones are we're all very confident in, and Valtteri Pusinen is right in that list. Um, does he make the team out of camp? We'll see. I don't think it's an easy spot to get, considering the amount of you know the amount of NHL ready talent that we need. We just don't know what Pusinen is yet. I think he'll take a. Just, I think I'm sure you're going to get to it. Uh, he's going to need the the training camp to prove it. I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, the team does need to. St- severe in a younger direction and he fits that role exactly but we also need guys that can help the team win at to close out these the careers of Crosby Malkin and Latang. yeah if you look at Valtteri Pustin he has been one of the most productive players for the AHL's Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins over the past two seasons Last year, he had 72 games played, 24 goals and 59 points. But over the past two seasons, he scored over 100 points, 101 in total, and 145 games. He definitely has that scoring punch, and he fits the bill of a Pittsburgh Penguins winger, especially if you look back at the beginning of the Mike Sullivan era. Look at the guys that he was able to bring up from Wilkes-Barre. Connor Sherry, Brian Rust, Jake Gensel. These aren't big-bodied guys. These aren't guys that light it up when it comes to just the overall skill set. They're guys that come in, get the job done, can score in bunches, but aren't overly superstar-esque, right? Jake Gensel's the one that broke through that mold and became an all-star. I don't see Valtteri Pustin becoming an NHL all-star at any point in his career, but could he fit the mold of a Connor Sherry? Yeah, I I think so, and I think he could be an impact player as soon as this season for this team. So I like, obviously, the, the fact that the Penguins re-signed him. I thought it was an obvious move to make. Um, I don't know if I was surprised that it was the first move uh, that Kyle Dubas made. I know it was going to be a move that was made in the next week or so because uh, are you really going to go to arbitration with a guy that's played one game in the NHL? No, you're probably just going to sign him to a one-year deal like this. Uh, league minimum, I believe, is 775k. So it's not like he's demanding the, the the moon and the stars for his point per game pace through one game in the NHL. So yeah, it's it's an obvious move, and I like Pustin him personally. And I think that if we get into that part of the discussion, I think he's going to be a contributor at the NHL level as soon as this season. Yeah, he absolutely could be. <clears throat> It's just a matter of how the rest of this lineup gets constructed. You know, we Mm -hmm. keep preaching for change with this team. We keep wanting to see what is out there. Um, Well, the free agent pool doesn't look great this year. No, no, it does not. The Penguins also don't have the assets to make trades. So depending on how this roster gets constructed, he might be on the opening night roster, truly. Depends on how he does in camp. I don't think it's a guarantee at this moment. I think he's got to have a good camp preseason, and then we'll see what 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 comes of it after. It's uh, I do believe I do believe you, and I am with you whenever you say that he can be a impact helpful producer this year. Um, he's just got he's just gonna have to earn it. I mean, everyone obviously has to earn it, but there are some that need to earn it more than others. Here's my thing: the season ended. 
in 2022-23. And when you were looking back on the season, obviously you you see, okay, Brock McGinn had a pretty good start to the season, had 10 goals before the Christmas break, and then really didn't do anything, was traded off for scraps. Kasperi Kapanen struggled, and the Pittsburgh Penguins probably shouldn't have brought him back. Danton Heinen struggled, and while it was a good deal at the time when they signed him, he, he struggled to live up to the even $1 million cap hit he had. All of these veterans, even Drake Kajula was brought in, uh, didn't really make an impact at the NHL level, even when he had the opportunity, the limited opportunity that he was given at the NHL level. There were so many roadblocks for Valtteri Pustin. At the end of the year, you looked and you said, this was a guy that in training camp was playing alongside Crosby and Gensel. Now, we didn't expect that to continue. But when you saw that, at least I said, okay, Mike Sullivan has very high hopes and a very high opinion of Valtteri Pustin, and so does the entire organization, if they're willing to give him significant time in training camp to practice alongside the, the two best players that are going to be on the top line throughout the entirety of the season. For him to not get a single call-up, not only did he not play in a game, but he didn't get a single call-up the entire season. And we talked a lot last season about the Pittsburgh Penguins were the healthiest for stretches that they had been in, in decades. That's fine. But there were times where they weren't healthy, and there was an opportunity to call up a guy like Valtteri Pustin. They never really called his number. I don't think that happens again this year. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't happen again this year. You know, it's obviously we don't have the options. I mean, Poulin might come back up at some point. Svedkovsky might get a call. I, I think I don't think you see Svedkovsky no? personally. Okay, I think I think it's still you know if, if he's playing in the prospect development camp. In a couple of weeks, I don't think you're going to see him this season. Fair enough, but I mean, so is Poulin. I'm just kind of throwing names out there because I think it's yeah. the end of the road for Nathan Lager, right? Honestly, um, yeah. Jonathan Gruden, we already know, got a call, got a couple of good looks. That's a possibility. Philip Hollander was called up but never played, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, also, still need and uh, Gruden and Hollander still need to also be re-signed through RFA deals. But yeah, no, at, at that rate, yeah, you should absolutely have Poulin up early when it comes to uh, call-ups from uh, from the AHL. Yeah, and listen, it's June 22nd. Mm-hmm. We are six days away from the NHL draft, where whether it's the first first round pick or not, Kyle Dupes is probably going to make a move and a trade at the NHL draft. If not, a couple days after that is the opening of free agency on Saturday, July 1st. There's going to be moves made there. Yep. As we sit here today, it's pretty obvious that the actually signed players, Valtteri Pustin has a spot amongst them in the NHL roster. By the time all is said and done and we get to August where it's quiet season, everybody's out on their vacations, the only person that's working is Kyle Dubas and whoever's helping him select a general manager if he chooses to do so. At that point, heading into training camp, I don't think he'll have a surefire spot like he does at the moment, but I do think that if he comes into camp and he performs well, in those training camp games and those preseason games, I think he has a chance to earn a spot at the beginning of the season at the NHL level. When you talk about rebuilding the bottom six, Valtteri Pustinen, when it comes to the Penguins' limited prospects that have any chance of making the NHL this season, Valtteri Pustinen has the highest capability of being a middle six guy. I think that's the reason that you didn't see him last year. Jonathan Gruden filled in where? On the fourth line. Drake Kajula filled in where? On the fourth line. They weren't going to bring up Valtteri Pustin to play on the fourth line. They want to play him on the third line, on the second line maybe. Now, does he have the talent and the ability to do that? That remains to be seen. I think we know he has the talent, but will it be able to transfer to the NHL level? That's the question that needs answered this season. And I think if he comes in and he performs in training camp, that's a question that we might get an answer to very early in the 2023-24 season. Yeah, yeah it's and he absolutely deserves that call-up too very early and to be not a fourth line player it's <laughs> yeah it's pretty simple as that and i mean as of right now just through signed players we don't have obviously we don't have enough to fill out the forward core but no uh it's still looking positive for him to make the nhl again this season and for what it's worth in his one game hey, he's a perfect point per game player do you have cap friendly up at the moment yeah yeah does it say valtteri pustin plays left wing and right wing let me find this his name question. again. Uh, just left wing on here. Just left wing. Um, hey, yeah. listen. Penguins left wingers right now. There's their thing. Jake Gensel. 
and who else? Right? Mikhail Gramland? Yikes. Okay, yeah, I guess. But people that we expect to be on the roster when it comes to training camp. No, yeah, Jake Hensel right. and nobody. So Valtteri Pusin right now slots in at second or third line. I'm not sure when it comes to look at what the Penguins need to do on defense. Look at what the Penguins need to do a goaltender. How much money are they really going to have to fix the bottom six? And if they have a guy like Valtteri Pustin and potentially a guy in Alex Nylander, maybe they try to fix center. Maybe they try to fix right wing. And maybe that opens the door. And there's not as many roadblocks for Valtteri Pustin as he had last season when it was Kajula, O'Connor, who we expect them to resign, obviously. Uh, it was Heinen. It was Kapanen. It was McGinn. There was a laundry list. Paling at the beginning of the season was a winger. Now he's a center for the Penguins because they got rid of Bluger. There was a laundry list of names above Pustinen, and that doesn't exist as of right now. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the landscape of the offseason, there's not really going to be many opportunities to add that many players above him. So there's going to be a, a, a very significant chance that he is given the opportunity at training camp to earn a roster spot. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I don't know if this really means much. Like I said, the cat friendly page has him as a left winger. In hockey reference has him as a uh, right winger, right shot, right winger. So, so he can play both. Possibly can play both. I've seen he played left wing when he came up for the one game. Okay. So, we we know he's a left winger. So I don't know. I mean, Pustinen beyond that is pulling to get an opportunity. Uh, who knows where his progress is after, of course, not playing the majority of the back half of last season. That that might be another reason as to why. He's on the list for prospect development camp because they're just trying to get him on the ice with the trainers as much as humanly possible because he missed that time. So who knows where Poulin is heading into next season. But if the Penguins need youth, the easiest way to get it is through your prospect system in the NHL. The Penguins don't have that. They do have one guy, and that's Valtteri Pustin. They need him to hit this season because if he does... That's going to be phenomenal for the Penguins through and through because they need middle six guys. If he can come up at 775K and be, listen, Jake Gensel was outstanding in his first season. If he could be Connor Sherry in his first season with the Pittsburgh Penguins for half a year, even if he doesn't make the team out of camp, he does it from New Year's on. Mm -hmm. That is an unmitigated win for the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. It would be. So. We'll see. Uh, he is the first player signed. Do you remember, Horop, before we uh, head to the next segment, talk a little bit more about Hall of Fame and Pittsburgh Penguins past. Do you remember the first player move made by general manager Ron Hextall? Uh, I was hoping you were going to say Rutherford's. It wasn't Rutherford's uh, Hornquist? Rutherford's was Pastor Hornquist, yeah. As for Hextall? Oh, oh, yes. It was Mark Friedman. He's still on the team. It, yes, it was a waiver claim of defenseman Mark Friedman. Not a bad move. No, no. Not a bad move. Friedman has uh, played, obviously, well in his time in Pittsburgh. He's been a great seventh defenseman, eighth defenseman at points, and somebody that I honestly think should get an opportunity to be in the top six, even though there's a lot of names still there. But like we mentioned, it's June 22nd. There's a lot of things that are going to happen between now and training camp that are going to change the face of the Pittsburgh Penguins roster. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, which other Penguins should be the next to get the call to the hall or maybe the voicemail to the hall? We'll talk about that after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We talked in the first segment about Tom Barrasso finally getting elected to the Hall of Fame after, what, that would be 16, 17 years of being eligible since 2006. Finally gets the call or the voicemail as Horwath mm -hmm. was talking about. He did miss the call. <laughs> uh, sorry, wrong number. Got a new phone. Who dis? Uh, it's Lanny McDonald, fortunately for him. Uh, the call he's been waiting for, he didn't even receive. But regardless, uh, we put out a poll directly after that happened because, you know, why celebrate one person when you can look to the future for other people, apparently? Uh, we put out a poll that said, with Tom Barrasso now heading to the Hall of Fame, which of these former Penguins will be elected to the Hall first? Before I give the answers here or the results of this poll, the way I worded that 
which of these means that I want you to pick from the four names that are underneath us. We all understand that Yarmir Yager is practically already in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But they need to wait for him to stop playing hockey. He's still playing hockey in Czechia. The same reason the Pittsburgh Penguins have yet to retire his jersey number is the same reason he is not a Hockey Hall of Famer at this point. They need Yarmir Yager to stop playing hockey for three consecutive seasons to put him in the Hall of Fame. And then he can come back, right? And then he can come back and play whenever he wants because as we know, Yarmir Yager is going to play until he's on his deathbed. But the, the Hall needs him to wait and it needs him to stop playing first. So yes, we understand Yarmir Yager is a Hockey Hall of Famer. Which is why he wasn't included in this poll, because he would have won 95% of the votes and it would have been pointless. So, of the names we put on there, Sergei Gonchar was the winner amongst the fan vote, 53% of the votes. Rick Tockett had 30%, Alex Kovalev had 10%, and Billy Guerin had 7%. Horwat, who did you say in this poll? Uh, I had I had gone with Gonchar just because there was real discussion of him getting in this year anyway um because it's a a very deserving spot for him as well just through um let me let me spell his name correctly for this um just for you know longevity is an easy one played 1300 games in the league uh was a cup winner in 09 with the penguins uh and you know at the age of i believe it was 41 i think that was his he had a professional tryout with the Penguins to come back at the age of 41 or something like that. I forget which season it was exactly. I mean, they didn't sign him, obviously, and they later hired him as a coach, but he was still possibly cutting it in the league that far into uh, his career, that far past any sort of prime that he had. Um, mm-hmm. so, I, that, so that was my pick just because, you know, the accolades aren't all there, but that longevity, 1,300 games, being a cup winner helps a ton. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just a great leader on whichever team he was part of. Uh, I thought maybe he'd have a real shot at it, too. I think eventually he might have that chance. Um, obviously just not this year, but that's who I went with out of those players. It's That was a tough pick, though, really. I looked at those names and was torn in four different directions. Yeah, I also believe it's it's Sergey Gonchar, but I mean, even Rob Rossi put this out yesterday. He said somebody he spoke to said not to expect a lot of Russian candidates to gain entry anytime soon, given the global politics. It's just, quote, easier to not put Russians in the hall right now. So that might have played a factor in Sergey Gonchar. It would also play a factor in Alex Kovalev's case. Uh, obviously, he wasn't somebody that was considered a snub this year, but somebody that could potentially be a candidate moving forward. So uh, even with that in mind, I think Sergei Gonchar is probably the most likely of these four because despite, you know, people don't have the the fondest memories of him being a top-tier defenseman in the league, he was a top-five defenseman in the NHL for a long for a time, long time yeah. right? He finished top six in Norris voting five times and, or sorry, yeah, five times and Nick Lidstrom won the Norris four of those times. We talked about Tom Barrasso and who he had to go up against. Sergey Gonchar trying to win a major trophy had to go up against Nick Lidstrom, Scott Niedermeyer, like the, the, the defenseman of the dead puck era. Yep. Chris Pronger was one of the other ones that won one of the years that, that uh, Sergey Gonchar finished in the top five. These defensemen are all already already in the Hall of Fame and were no doubt first ballot Hall of Famers. So a lot of people push Sergey Gonchar to the side and even Penguins fans forget because Chris Letang came right after him and was a little bit more electrifying when it comes to being a def- uh, an offensive defenseman. Sergey Goncher was just a steady offensive force on the back end, and he was really good in his own end as well. And, and also, Penguins fans forget how good he was for the Washington Capitals before he came to Pittsburgh. Very good. He was part of that team that uh, went to the cup final and I believe got swept, but part of that team, an important piece of that team. It was... Um, a good run for them and just sometimes it just happens i mean looking at the other options that you put on this list as well i just look at the numbers of rick tockett honestly i also forgot he was only here for like two and a half seasons yep yikes um kovlev is another russian player so you don't really know what the future holds for him and i'm forgetting the last name now who else billy garen and billy g 
Ooh. It was between Billy Guerin and uh, I was going to put one of the guys that didn't spend much time here in the late 2000s, Bill Guerin and Gary Roberts. Gary Roberts is a good one. That's a good one. It's a really good one. But no, I think of those guys, it's Gonchar through and through. Like I said, he had a chance to make it this year. Um, then, you know, politics getting put into the mix and that hurts. It hurts. It hurts the players that are deserving of this honor. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's, I mean, it, a lot has been hurt from Russians this year. Right? They've, they've. It's where the world's at. Yeah, it's just the way things are right now. Um, if things repair in the next couple of years, I expect Gonchar to get a call. I expect Alexander McGillney to get a call because he deserves <laughs> one. Damn it. Yeah, I was gonna. I was wondering if we would get through this entire podcast talking about the Hall of Fame for eighty percent of it without mentioning Alexander McGillney still not being in the Hall. Yeah, it's. That story's incredible, though. Who gets in the Hall of Fame first, Alex McGillney or Pete Rose? <laughs> sadly, it's... Well, not sadly. It's going to be McGillney. Um, yeah. I do think... Pete, I, I still stand on the belief that Pete Rose is going to get in the day after he dies. <laughs> I do. Because it's the... Just because people don't want to... They don't want the the whatever professional baseball... Whoever votes on the baseball one just doesn't want to see him take a victory lap? Well, it's a quote-unquote lifetime ban. And... Oh. Once his life is over, boom, he's unbanned. Uh, That's some... And also, okay. I just feel like one day down the line, he's going to get in anyway, just because I've, I think I've said this on this podcast. Good luck digging to find this one. The way sports betting has kind of just really been integrated with sports these days. Like, Everything. yeah, you're still not allowed to do it, but the, the connection is so tight that eventually a generation's going to go, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Might be ages and ages down the line. But eventually, someone will go. What are we doing here? There's literally the DraftKings Arena. Like, what? Like, let's not yeah. worry about this. But I think the day after he dies, there's going to be a good call for Pete Rose. Yeah, you can't watch a professional sporting event without seeing betting odds now on the screen. So, exactly. uh, the the fact that you're keeping one of the best hitters in the history of baseball out of the Hall of Fame because he bet on games, that's tough. Especially because he was a coach at that point, wasn't he? He wasn't even playing. I don't remember. I don't remember any of it. I think he was. I think he was the manager of the Reds at the point, not even a player. So, again, not the sport we're talking about, but we'll always get talk about the Hall of Fame things like that come up. Yeah. Uh, before we move over to talk about some of the present day Penguins or players currently playing in the league, would all four of those players—Gonchar, Talkit, Kovalev, Garen—do you think all are deserving of the Hall of Fame? I believe so. Tockett might be the longest stretch as I kind of glance at his numbers. He was the longevity is there. 18 seasons, 952 points is a ton. Um, just something about it though. doesn't like stand out. The individual accolades aren't all there. Uh, and just the one cup. Oh, it's Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound. Kyle Dubas has him on the phone already. Um, I'd say he's the longest stretch. Everyone else, you got the accolades. I mean, Kovalev was kind of a big underrated piece of the 94 run for the Rangers. Uh, Garen, obviously a true leader in every sense of the word, and really helped the Penguins team in their 9 run. Uh, and is now also, he's he might be able to add on that. He's also now a general manager. Let's see what the Minnesota Wild can do with Billy Garen at the helm. Then he gets to add that yep. to the resume. Well, that would be a different resume because you I get you can get voted in twice, once as a player, once as a builder. Um, so I think that would be different on the resume. Still. Personally. <laughs> Still, you never know where it leads. Yeah, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Bill Guerin was elected to the um, U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Probably. United States Hockey Hall of Fame. But uh, that would be something I'd have to go back and check. So was Tom Brasso a long if time you ago, a- too. So. Yeah. If you would have asked me this eight years ago, I would have said, no, probably Gonchar. Probably Gonchar, and that's it. Mm. But the Hockey Hall of Fame has been diluted when it comes to you know some of the names being in there. We always used to say, it's not the Hockey Hall of Very Good. It's the Hockey Hall of Fame. And it's the same thing with the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's the same thing with the Baseball Hall of Fame. Is it the Hall of Fame or is it the Hall of Very Good? Mm-hmm. That doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, like Kevin Lowe great he won four cups with the Edmonton Oilers but that was the 80s when defense was not important yeah right you you said it earlier on this podcast how much defense and goaltending was really played in the 80s not much not much not much so again 
nowadays, yeah, I would say the, they all have a shot. Uh, but if you ask, if you would ask me this about eight, ten years ago, I probably would have been like, they're all very good players. They all are important to the history. Some of them, like you said, Bill Guerin, United States Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, sure. Alex Kovalev, uh, Russian Federation Hall of Fame, if that exists. Yeah, probably. But the, the Pro Hockey Hall of Fame? No. Or the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's not the Pro Hockey Hall of Fame. So I, I don't know. Uh, at this point, yeah, I would say they all probably have a, have a have a shot at this point. Mm-hmm. They do definitely all have a shot. It's just a matter of whoever, if it's a however, whoever the voters making proper decisions. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, but with that, let's also finish this episode talking really quickly about uh, the four horsemen of this current era mm-hmm. of the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Mark Andre Fleury, and Chris Letang. How many of them do you think at this point in their careers are destined for the Hockey Hall of Fame? Listen, I'm going to say four or four. I think Latang might be the longest stretch, might take the longest to get in. Um, but I think, and here's the this partly sad part of it is that his second stroke put a lot of his career into perspective. This man has been through a lot and is still playing at a very high level. Screw the numbers. I mean, yeah, the numbers are important. But in a way, screw the numbers. This man's played through more than most players will ever play in their through in their lives. And Latang still has five years left on a contract. I think when it's all said and done, he'll have a damn good shot of getting in. I think he's probably the longest stretch. Obviously, Crosby Malkin are locks. We know this. We've been known this. Yeah. Flurry is is gonna be a lock in like a couple of games whenever he passes. Patrick Law, I believe it is, for third all-time in wins. That's a lock. And then there's Latang, who, like I said, he's played through a lot. I think once it's all said and done, the numbers will reflect quite a lot for him. I think he's not a lock immediately, but will eventually make his way in as well. So I'm going 4 or 4. I would say 3 or 4. Crosby, Malkin, Locks, like you mentioned. I think Flurry eventually gets in. Is he a first ballot? Probably not. But when you look at the two guys that have gotten in recently from that same era, Henrik Lundqvist this season, who was the the leader in the clubhouse throughout that entire era, but also Roberto Luongo, who got in a couple, was it either last year or a couple seasons ago? Marc-Andre Fleury's name is, is right up there with them as the best of that era. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot that is said about Marc-Andre Fleury and and how he performed when he came to the playoffs and, and some of the times where he struggled to to be able to be a backstop for a team that was really good in front of him. You know, 2013 comes to mind when Tomas Valkun took over. But if you look at him, he's still, I, I saw it earlier today. I think he's top three in playoff shutouts in NHL history <laughs> or something like that. It's ridiculous. Like, because when you put it into perspective, how good he has been for how long it has been that he's been in the league. And he was at that level very early on, because let's not forget, he started playing at the age of 18 Mm -hmm. as a goaltender in the National Hockey League. That is unheard of now. How many 18-year-old goal... First of all, we see 18-year-old hockey players, right? You're going to see it next year in in Connor Bedard. You saw it with Clayton Keller. I talked about him yesterday. I was like, wow, I can't believe he's heading into his eighth season in the NHL. That's ridiculous. But as a goaltender at the age of 18, yes, he was not good in that first year. He was playing behind one of the worst hockey teams I think I've ever witnessed Mm -hmm. as a human being. But after that, he was pretty good. And he's been pretty good for a long time. So, yes, Marc-Andre Fleury, to me, eventually will be a Hockey Hall of Famer. Chris Letang's tough. tough. It is tough. You talk about that off-ice narrative and everything that, that he's gone through in his life, yes. Do I think he deserves to, to get his number raised in PPG Paints Arena? Yeah, I do. I think being part of the four horsemen of the most successful era of Pittsburgh Penguins hockey is impactful. And I think being the defenseman that backstopped this team, scored the game-winning goal, the Stanley Cup clinching goal in 2016, the numbers that he's put up, the, the job that he has done that you can't quantify in numbers for this team Yes, I think he's vastly important to this team, but do I think it's enough to get him into the Hockey Hall of Fame? I don't think so. But at the same time, what did I just finish saying five minutes ago? Is it the Hockey Hall of Fame anymore, or is it the Hockey Hall of Very Good? Right? There's a lot of names that get in there that you're like, really? Like, why are they Hockey Hall of Famers? Like, they were great players, 
But is it really that level? If that continues to be the instances and continues to be the case, then Latang might eventually get in. But it might be like Tom Barrasso. He might have to wait 20 years after he's eligible. Let's play a little game here. Because I'm hearing what you're saying. I just want to play a little game here. So Chris Latang sits at 1,005 1, games. 156 goals, 535 assists for 691 points. Mm-hmm. Average ice time for a career of 24-12. That's, sure. that's a lot of ice time. Yeah. Let me give you this player. And mind you, six five years left on a contract. Five yes. years. So who knows where yes. those numbers go. Here's someone as a defenseman. 1,301 games, 811 points split between 220 goals, 591 assists. Not going to tell you the name yet. Average ice time per for a career twenty three forty. That's Sergey Gonchar. Yeah, I who we just discussed as getting into the Hall of Fame as a sure shot. Yes, Crystal Tang is going to finish with better numbers than that. Likely. Yeah. Well, numbers, likely numbers don't tell the whole story. No, they don't. But if if we're sitting here saying Sergey Gonchar is a sure shot Hall of Famer, who say Latang isn't? True, but also, how many years has Sergey Gonchar been eligible? Uh, he retired in 2015. Six. Did he play in the KHL after five. that? Oh, no, because we signed him on as a coach. Yeah, so five years. I said it might take Crystal Tang five, ten years. What did I say? 15 years, 20 years, whatever. It's going to take time. It will. It's not going to be first ballot. He's, he's not going to be first ballot. He's going to be somebody that a couple years after, they're going to be like, yeah, by the way, Crystal Tang's eligible too. Hockey's extremely picky with their first ballot guys. Oh, yeah. Like, and as they should be. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. You should be very picky with first ballot guys. But regardless, yeah, I, Crystal Tang's going to be the hardest one to get in there. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah, of so those four, I, for sure. I would say I'd put, I would put Latang in... I was going to say over Garen, but I don't know. Like, I, that's tough. That's... Would you put him in over Garen or Kovalev or talk it? Over talk it, I think. Maybe over Kovalev? No, 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 no. Maybe over Kovalev. Let me find. It, yeah. I don't know. It's tough. It is, but regardless. It is tough, especially I mean, when career. it's not our call. <laughs> it's... If the, well, yeah. Thankfully. Thankfully, I don't have to weigh in on this, but it's it's fine because they protect everybody that weighs in on it anyway. They don't release the the voting results, which is stupid um, and arbitrary. Like, why why are we protecting that? Like, why are we hiding that? There's no point to it. Oh, well, the, the, everybody has problems with Hall of Fames every single time that it gets announced. And it's something that two weeks later we kind of forget about until the actual ceremony happens. And you have the Hall of Fame game, which the Penguins participated in last year. Uh, which happens in the middle of the season for the NHL. I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point, which means it's time to end the show. Uh, But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Congratulations one last time to Tom Barrasso on being elected to the Hockey Hall of Fame. And congratulations, uh, pre-congratulations for Sergey Gonjar, who will be in there uh, at some point, because we we both believe that. Same goes to Crosby, Malkin, Flurry, and then the rest. uh, We can debate until the cows come home. But that's it for this one. We'll see you guys next time.